Well, it's great to welcome back Ruth Nicole Brown to MSU today. Ruth Nicole Brown is the inaugural chairperson of Michigan State University's Department of African American and African Studies, and she's an MSU Foundation professor. Ruth Nicole, great to see you in person. Good to meet you in person, Russ. Glad to be here. And in a moment, we'll be meeting community accountable scholar, educator, and poet Lacante Dill, who joined MSU's Department of African American and African Studies in September of 2021 as an associate professor of black feminisms, genders, and sexuality studies. Dr. Dill, welcome to you. Thank you. Good to be here. So, Dr. B, as I understand some of your students affectionately call you. They uh, do, they do. Sort of remind us uh, the the, the uh, programming or the AAAS programming started, I guess, as a Ph.D. program in 2002, but officially became a department in July of 2019. You became the inaugural chair about a year later in 2020. Sort of remind us the, the vision, the mission, the values of the department. Sure. Again, thanks for having us. It's good to be here in studio in person. The Department of African American and African Studies started last year with the Department status, and you are correct. That's when I joined, and we are building from the vision um, that includes we insist that Black Studies uncovers and creates technologies of living for Black people and Black futures. And when we say Black people, we mean all Black people. And when we say Black futures, that is to say beyond survival into wellness. So this year, uh, we are excited because we are continuing to build and expand with the addition of new faculty hires, new courses. Uh, students are learning more about the department through the wonderful stories that Marcom has been writing about the department, as well as getting to know um, us through our coursework and just through uh, everyday interactions, as much as we can do that uh, remotely and on Zoom. So talk a little bit more about how the department is evolving. Uh, apparently you can major in AAAS now and uh, the curriculum, things like that. Sure. Well, uh, first I want to say that what makes our department particularly distinct is its chartered mission with our areas of specialization and focus in black feminisms, black genders, and black sexuality studies. And part of our mission is to provide uh, integrated education that engages conditions of blackness locally and transnationally. Uh, we have three organizing inquiries that motivate and sustain our work, and those include black cultures and institutions, Black Girlhood Studies, and Black Speculative Ecologies. As you mentioned, we are extremely excited because this is the first year in which you can major in nice. AAAS, the Department of African American and African Studies. And this is the first time you can major in AAAS at the undergraduate level in the history of Michigan State University. So that is extremely exciting for us all. And I think you want to brag about some of your great students and talk about how the curriculum is evolving a bit. Oh, sure. So actually, last semester, I had the complete pleasure and honor to teach uh, Black Feminisms, that's AAAS 200, for the first time. And again, uh, this is a department that is evolving during pandemic conditions. We're building and we're growing when... Um, change is the ever constant and so a lot of our my in particular first interactions and introductions with MSU have been via Zoom and 
via mediated by technology. Uh, as you know, last semester we returned to some in-person instruction. And for me, it was really an incredible experience as as difficult as it was to sort of navigate pandemic conditions the first time back to campus, teaching while wearing masks, um, but to get to know MSU through the lives of AAAS students um, is priceless. For me, that's when I really connected with the university. I was able to walk the campus to learn the buildings and then meet the students who I say are our greatest why. Um, in that class, it was, let's see, um, somewhat of a challenge to, to learn students. I had to learn them differently than what I'd been used to because, again, we were all mass, and so, you you know, you can't read faces. Um, but yet, um, very quickly, we were able to create a sense of belonging and community, and it really gave me an opportunity to be creative with my instruction and pedagogy, as well as get to know the students. Um, what I appreciate is how they show up to the classroom. Um, students are negotiating the pandemic conditions, the changes, disruptions to university life, um, and have done so with a real sincere honesty for their desire to learn even in the face of some really harsh um, constraints. Collectively, we are all grieving and, and mourning um, personal losses and then also social losses. Um, that also was very present with us as we uh, thought about many of the themes and topics in, in black feminisms. And what I think the, the pandemic has allowed for in a much more explicit way than I've ever done in the classroom is to incorporate a sense of community care, a very active sense of community care in the classroom where um, we all fundamentally understood that the academic work was important, as is how we are how we are how we are living how we are doing how we are moving and that was fostered in the sense of in the classroom um, unlike any sort of experience I've had teaching in over 16 years I really appreciated the ways in which they took time out to check in with their selves their wellness um, and those of their uh, colleagues their peers and also me um, I really just appreciate the demonstration of care that students actively engaged in. And that too gave us material from which uh, to learn, grow, think about what it means to be um, right here at MSU at this particular time and place. Well, I, I appreciate those thought provoking comments. And uh, I understand the department is getting a new physical space too on campus. Yes. Also very exciting. Again, our, for this year, we have been w working primarily remotely and we have a new space. Uh, the, the program took up space in Wells Hall and we are moving to Ketsy. We'll be on the second floor. I'm really excited about how that shape is, is coming into fruition and I got to say, when I'm walking um, among the construction team now, shout out to them. They're doing amazing work. Uh, project manager, the construction team, everyone has been really helpful. Uh, the space and facility management on campus, 
I really understand just the magnitude of the new AAAS department. And for me, it seems like a once in a career lifetime moment where we can go from these are the blueprint to the plans to see, you know, walls come up, walls come down and to see ideas go from concept to physical, tangible, executed realities. And so there are rooms that we've created in this department with the idea that we will come back to campus. I think what I have learned from my students and certainly feel myself and from my colleagues is a deeper desire to engage in togetherness, um, even as we know we will carry some flexible uh, remote work options and, and study options in, into whatever future we are all headed toward. But we also, when we come together, we know that we have great work to do. And so some of the rooms that you'll see in the new department include a wellness room, which we're really excited about that. Again, we want to keep some of these lessons that we're learning during this time with us. We should have had them probably before the pandemic happened. Um, now we know we don't want to continue our learning, our studying, our growing without it. So we'll have a wellness room. We will also have a social space where students can get together. Um, again, that was a resounding message that I heard from the students that I've already connected with is that they want opportunities to be together, um, certainly for our AAAS majors, for our minors, but also for all students who feel connected to our curriculum and are excited about the vision in black feminisms, black genders, and black sexuality studies. So there'll be social spaces for us to get together. We hope we hope there will be performances, some student work, showcases and displays of their talents and genius. We also have a recording studio. So maybe uh, next time this year, Russ, you'll be over in AAAS and we'll be <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, recording you in conversation. I like it. The update. And, and Dr. Brown talked to us about your, at least five new exciting faculty members since we last spoke and we'll lead into talking with Professor Dill as well. Yeah, I'm very excited about all the ways our faculty are growing. Again, all of us are shaped uh, through our overlapping concerns, interests, work in black feminisms, black genders, black sexuality studies. And this year, Dr. Tremiko Malanson joined our faculty as well as Dr. Lacante Dill, who is here with us <laughs> in studio. Uh, Janina K.L. Struther also joined us this year as a research associate and will continue to stay on with us as an assistant professor this coming fall, as well as our two phenomenal AAAS advisors, Dr. Shamara Kwachi and Dr. Yvonne Morris. Excellent. And well, let's welcome Dr. Lacante Dill to the program. And, and Thank you, again. Professor Dill. Before I ask you to tell us a little bit more about yourself, just some and any comments on anything Dr. Brown has been saying so far? Um, it resonates with everything I knew before I came and everything I've been experiencing since I've been here. Um, her comments um, just make affirm my decisions for being here, but also affirm all of our commitments to students, to our growing faculty, our, our faculty, our students, our staff, um, and others as community. This really, this community of care, this culture of care is not rhetorical. Um, it is very much lived and very much actively engaged um, in every way. The, the passion and the commitment from everyone on your faculty I've had the pleasure to talk to is very 
palpable and contagious. So let's back up a little bit. Just sure. tell us a little <laughs> bit about your background and again, what more, more about what attracted you to AAAS at MSU. Sure. So I'm a proud daughter of South Central Los Angeles. Um, I'm also a proud Spelman College alumna. And um, I start with those two um, because I feel like those were my foundations in black feminisms. Um, being from South Central, I wasn't necessarily using the language of being a black feminist, but in my home, but also in my community art spaces, black bookstores, black art galleries, um, the art in our home, um, the accessible art, right? Not just always having resources, but having finding free spaces or finding um, resources. Black feminisms and black girlhoods were affirmed. as black feminists say, I got that kitchen table and front porch black fe- feminisms. As I say, in some of my scholarship, I got the Oldsmobile black feminisms from my mom driving around <laughs> and, 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 and teaching and exposing and modeling. Um, when I went to Spelman, I was able to put more language to that, to, to affirm that my everyday spaces, but also those of my family and my community, were not to be stigmatized, were not to be shamed. Um, and we're part of rich traditions across the diaspora. Um, and so that's how and where I come from, but also where I go to and what a lot what brought me here, which what attracted me to AAAS was the centering, the unapologetic centering of black feminisms, um, which is unique and rare and nuanced, particularly in black studies, but also across disciplines in the academy. And so I, I heard that in the previous podcast that AAAS faculty taped, but also in all of the, the materials, it was this calling and shouting out that black feminisms are the center. It's not an elective. It's not an afterthought. It's the center center for everything they do. And so much like I've lived my life, but also I'm grounded my scholarship in that, that attracted me. Um, I'm trained as a public health, a transdisciplinary public health scholar, um, but oftentimes in my training, I was bringing black feminisms to public health spaces. And now I'm not having to kind of carry that load because again, that's central to all of us. That's the baseline. And so everything above that is we can really manifest that dreaming. It's not just me trying to kind of sneak in an elective course, like I said, or um, feeling like I was, I I sometimes describe myself as a unicorn, right? Having this horn sticking out at this mythical character. But I specifically came here to AAAS because I I realized that there were other unicorns, that we're a whole department of unicorns. knocking through doors with our with our magic horn but also landing safely and sometimes softly here at MSU that is welcoming us it's not um being here is not the disruption. We're realizing that the, the the other dreams that we have and we're still manifesting that we're a, that that might be the disruption. And so um, the ways that we're building care um, that might be a bit disruptive, but in a good way. Like not that it's not going to be here, but it's it's might be new that oh. We can have a recording studio in a, in, a, in the academic department. We can have a space that's called a wellness space, not just in um, and shout out to the amazing counseling services um, in other spaces, but not just in recreation, not just in counseling, but in the physical 
um, academic department that belongs. And that's, again, not off to the side, but central. When we were talking about building spaces, those are some of the first things, the first spaces I heard about. Before we talked about our offices and what kind of desks we were going to have, we were talking about social spaces for students, wellness spaces for students, art making spaces for students and faculty. Um, And so those are just some of the things that brought me here, but I'm excited to be here and to help grow. And so, Professor Gill, describe a little bit more your own research and and scholarly interests. Sure. So I um, focus on black girl wellness. I'm also unapologetically, again, trained in public health. So a lot of my public health training has been thinking about um, not just illness, not just disease, but wellness, thriving, resilience. And I love that part of AAA's AAAS's mission or vision is beyond survival into wellness. So a lot of my work has been with young people of color, specifically black girls in urban spaces. And as an ethnographer, asking questions and listening, but also working to co-document with young people, what are their practices of wellness? What are their practices of thriving even in urban environments that don't always have resources or have been stigmatized or have been intentionally disinvested in? Um, And so I've learned a lot from young people about the way that they manage violence in their community, but also the personal resources and the collective resources that they shore up to sustain themselves and to sustain each other. Um, I'm excited here at AAAS to think even broadly, more broadly around wellness. Um, I just was um, uh, invited into a space last Friday to share that with other um, audience members and, and to bring in poetry, to bring in thoughts about movement and somatics, um, to bring in mindfulness um, into our conversations of, of as we talk about in AAAS, technologies or tools of living, technologies or tools of wellness. It's, you led me right into my next question. Awesome. I was going to ask you how <laughs> poetry goes hand in hand with your scholarly work and how it perhaps even informs it. Yeah, so I've been a poet longer than I've been a scholar. Um, I've been writing poetry since I was in elementary school. Um, developed more of my poetic techniques as a, a high school student, um, using it as my own coping mechanism, running to my journals, but also running to black poets, either on my mom's bookshelf or in the, in the bookstores that I found in my community, who um, um, were reflecting sometimes reflecting my life, sometimes imagining lives that I hadn't even imagined, um, but also running to the pen (laughs) to get out some things that I couldn't always articulate in words or out loud. Um, I actually ended up minoring in creative writing in college at Spelman. Um, So again, was affirmed, particularly with a a, a Black feminist-centered curriculum of other writers, but also saw myself as part of that growing canon. So began publishing my work actually in high school, but more so in college. Um, And then since then, um, in my adulthood, have identified as a poet. Before, it was a hobby, and um, in my 20s became part of my identity. So part of my bio, but also um, now part of the way I I am in the world. So oftentimes when I'm answering questions, sometimes it comes out in a poem, um, even if it's not a poetic space, um, and have woven that into my research. So the last 13 years or so, um, even as a doctoral student, I um, found ways, again, for poetry not to be on the side, um, not this side thing, but part of my research. So 
parts of the ways that I ask questions in my research, but also parts of the ways that I answer. And um, since I've been officially part of the Academy, have published um, not just my poems, but my narrators and interlocutors and community spaces, their poetry, but also use poetry as a research method. And so all of my students, whether they're in a Black feminism class, a public health class, a class about urban spaces. We're reading and writing poetry. Um, the students don't have to identify as a poet. I very much so lean and learn from June Jordan that talks about if we tell our truth, then who's to say that we're not a poet, right? Um, and so we enter or, yeah, my students and I enter our classroom spaces with a poem. And so on the first day of class, instead of What's your name? What's your major? Um, where are you from? Um, we get all that information, but in the in the form of a I come from poem. And I try to practice uh, what my friend and comrade, Dr. Monique Gichard, talks about as mutual vulnerability um, by writing with them. Right. So I'm not just asking students to be vulnerable. Tell me all your, you know, tell me your deepest secrets. Tell me, you know, about your grandma and your mother. Um, I'm doing that, too. And we start that with the foundation of the first day of class. So everything else in class builds from that I come from. Again, we think about where we can go to because we've centered ourselves and that I come from. Scholars know that as positionality, right, and reflexivity, but many scholars actually <laughs> forget that. Um, that might be a short statement that's in some scholars, some of their, maybe their dissertation, and they left it after they um, dissertated. Um, but my students remind me that that is not just central, but that is ever-present. That's everything. Would you kindly share one of your poems sure. with us now that's either a favorite or just particularly germane to our conversation? Germane because it was inspired or it has been inspired and will be continue to be inspired by my work with students. I love teaching. I love mentoring. That's what one of the things that keeps me in the academy. I can tell. Although I know we can teach also in different spaces, but this is called testimony. When I teach... I awaken. When I teach, I represent. When I teach, I remember myself to myself. I won't stop this. Even out of the classroom, out of the school, out of the academy. My words demand that you remember me remembering us. Professor Lacante Dill, thank you very much. And Dr. Brown, i got to bring you back in now just to ask if there's anything Dr. Dill has been saying that you'd like to comment on. Amazing. Love the poem. <laughs> I mean, so this is why you need to major in AAAS to create connections with professors who are multi-talented, present, so ready in their own sense of intellectual leadership to meet your genius where it is and to take it to places, you know, beyond our imagination. I mean, one of the things, every time I hear Dr. Dell speak, I'm inspired, I'm encouraged, I'm enlivened, and I just think what an awesome opportunity to facilitate this moment uh, because the department is building from a collective, knowledge, a collective squad of folks who, who are just so committed to their work, uh, committed to community, 
who bring with them a range of training, homegrown hope, desires for a kind of education that in some cases we didn't have the benefit to experience, but we are here to give to students so they might be able to write the poems they want to write so they can create new forms of expressions of knowledge. Um, and for us, I believe to just affirm what we're building, but again, just who we already are. I mean, there's no way that you can be in conversation in class and in instruction with not with Dr. Dill and not know that you're receiving an excellent education. I believe that. And let me circle back, Professor Dill, just a little bit more on some of your goals and responsibilities as you really get started in the departments. Sure. So Dr. Brown mentioned the squad. And so I was very privileged to, although I'm new to MSU, but also new to the greater Lansing area. Um, I didn't come alone, <laughs> if you will. I didn't know the other squad members, but to have four other people start at the same time um, has been very affirming, right? So we're getting to know buildings on campus. We're getting to know students, but we're also getting to know spaces in the greater Lansing area together. And so that just helped with um, dismissing the isolation that can come, particularly in the middle of a pandemic, an, an enduring pandemic, but also coming to a new space. I feel like I didn't come alone, even though I didn't know them. And so part of my responsibility is co-building the squad um, with everyone else in the department. Um, that's not always so AAAS always talked about the new build, but it's rare, I think, in academia to really unpack and talk about what it means to build departments. Um, so many departments have been here, right, even at MSU, but even across the country have been here for years, <laughs> decades and even more. And so. Um, part of our responsibility is learning from the rich program um, that was already here for decades, but also bringing our own commitments, our own knowledges, um, our own capacities to build anew. Um, it's been affirming to realize that quote-unquote new build is also not rhetorical. It is very active. And so we talked about the new physical space in Kedzie, but a lot of our work has been building together anew emotionally. Um, that goes back to the wellness. And so um, I became certified as a, a mindfulness or meditation instructor in 2021. Um, meditation has been not around and one of my tools for all my life, but in the last 10 or so years has been an important tool for me. Um, and I'm excited to um, co-curate that in AAAS, but I'm not only the, the only wellness specialist here at AAAS. We have other folks, like Dr. Brown said, that we're multi-hyphenate. So we have Reiki practitioners, we have um, movement specialists, we have filmmakers, we have dancers, we have performers, we have digital technologists, and we're bringing those technologies um, in our scholarly realm, but also technologies for wellness, right? So again, beyond survival into wellness, we begin each of our team meetings in AAAS with 
um, a few minutes of meditation. Um, I've happily led that, but again, a lot of our work is is co-led and collective. And so depending on how the spirit moves each of us, someone else might lead a session depending on the day. But that's just an important way. Again, from what I've heard from colleagues around the country, very rare in academia from what I've experienced myself over the last decade, very rare in academia. But literally we're just taking a beat to breathe, to ground ourselves, to think about what our intentions are for that meeting ahead of us, but also what we want to release from the space or from the conversation, what might be burdening us that we that doesn't serve us. So we literally start our meetings. We, we start with the land acknowledgement, which is very important, thinking about um, indigenous sacrifice and commitments, but also in, in, in conversation and solidarity with historic and com- contemporary black intentions and commitments in this space, in this land. And we transition right into um, wellness, wellness intentions, which include creativity. So I want to pass it to Ruth Nicole, who um, also has how, how we continue to curate space creative, creatively. Sure thing. I welcome the past. And to say that, uh, again, just to echo what you've already shared, and it's important for me that folks know that, yes, as we are building courses, building spaces, we are also building each other and we're building with a kind of internal integrity that meets us where we are and that rejoices, I want to say, in our breath. That is um, to say that so much of what many people may think of as associated with um intellectualism and that is the critique we do that Um, we also create and we do so from the very presence and gift of our being alive which is never to be taken for granted and so again while the mindfulness practice that Lacante leads us this year um, we started that this year with her arrival it has been such an act of generosity again inspiration I'm now inspired to facilitate Mm -hmm. collective breathing (laughs) starting meetings that way in a way that I hadn't done before Uh, but it's also profoundly generative I always appreciate the moment whether we're on zoom or in person to meet my colleagues eye to eye in recognition of our being alive um, and and knowing that the work that we do together, the decisions that we will make, um, again, um, affirm life and living. And I know, again, that's thinking back to some of the lessons I learned from my students in Black Feminisms. And they are coming to Black Studies. They are here for the joy. They are here for the celebration. They are also here for the recognition that they are alive and they are with dreams from which we can can grow and be together so i appreciate the the collective breath as our anchor another ritual that we do in all of our team meetings includes the creative intention and again that was to build with an internal sense of integrity that we always keep focus and our sight on our 
own sense of agency to create a new uh, organizational theory, routines, habits, change can be hard to reign. And given the changes and the scale of change in which we are all living through right now, what I'm learning is that that means fear is present. Fear is present. And one of the things that we must do is to remain focused on our choices, our dreams, and even on our worst days, you know, to keep focus on on love. That's what I call it. Folks may call it different things, possibilities, hope. Again, dreams come up. You'll hear us talk a lot about that, desires. But all focused on um, from our life force to act anew, to think differently than was done to us, to uh, take courage, to take some risk in saying, this is what I always dreamed of as a student, as a professor. Can we make it so? And so we have a moment in every team meeting where someone is invited to call our creati- uh, attention to creativity and for many of our meetings this year, Janina K. Struther took up the call and shared with us phenomenal creative examples, um, all kinds of media from, from dance to song to poetry to spoken word to TikToks to, to the page to, to video, um, to be ever mindful that this is creative work that we're engaging and all that that includes um, and that we must you know, keep sight of, of our ability to do a, a new and different thing and how much joy, pleasure, um, and all that can be learned from that. So I brought today with me uh, an example of how a creative intention may sound. And so directly following perhaps the collective breath that we take, I might say, again, welcome to the AAAS team meeting. We want to call our attention to creativity. And the way I like to do that today is reading a poem from The Peace Chronicles by Yolanda Seeley Ruiz. She has a poem that I think is particularly good for us to, to hear. It's called Steady. She wrote, I am growing, stretching, learning each day that my limitations are possible to overcome with time, patience, self-love, and compassion for me, for others. I stand outside of myself and watch my growth. Like the lotus flower, I flourish in life's murky waters and emerge a beautiful symbol of simplicity wrapped in ease, steadiness, and grace. And I would, I like to read that poem because it's so much of what we are also building with um, during these times. Again, the institutional talk, the messages in the inbox are focused often on the bottom lines, on on the budgets, on uh, limitations. But we are also ever mindful that we are building with grace, compassion for ourselves and for others. Um, it's not easy, um, but to invite ease into the process, we can give ourselves permission to do that. And one of the things that Lacante and I both talk about, and I think is often important for me to remember, 
I mean, it, it's such an organic part of my leadership, um, but I often forget to articulate it. And that is that these rituals are invitations. They're gifts. They're on property, meaning um, anyone on the team can lead these rituals. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, while Lacante has this training and others have a particular specialization, it is for anyone to take up and it doesn't belong to anyone. And we know our team meetings are rehearsals, practices for the kind of black studies we are not only teaching, but that we are also professing and most importantly, walking our talk. And so these are rituals that are shared freely, given with the expectation that you may be inspired by something I said, and even more than that, to take it up yourself the next time um, to practice with the kind of vulnerability in the group, again, that we often ask of our students, um, that often upper administration ask of us, particularly in all these changes, you know, overnight, do this new thing tomorrow, <laughs> um, even if, you know, uh, so it just re it just requires a kind of presence and um, humility and um, some audacity too to mm. to engage these rituals collectively, knowing that they belong to not any one of us individually, but to this department that we're building together. Well, doctors Brown and Dill, I really appreciate this update on all things going on in AAAS at Michigan State University. That's the Department of African American and African Studies. And let me just ask you each to maybe some takeaways, some final thoughts for our conversation. Yeah, so listeners, if you're students, if you are parents that might have future students at triple, um, at MSU, um, come to AAAS as a major, as a minor, um, in the future as a master's or doctoral student, um, as a student maybe who's not majoring and minoring but just might want to peek in and partake. We have a rich curriculum that we're all excited about. I give kudos to the department um, last year and the years before that helped to build and imagine this 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 curriculum that I have now, the opportunity to take part in helping to manifest. Um, our students are engaging in the same wellness and creative practices that we mentioned today, while also getting the language and the tools grounded in Black feminisms and Black studies and Black imagination um, to take with them even outside of MSU and, and outside as they continue to learn and grow. So um, come to AAAS, check us out. Check us out as in our new space starting this fall um, and experience the possibility even within academia. And I'll add to that, to the students who are listening in AAAS, we know that you are worthy and you already belong. We ask that you check out our classes a few of them that we'll be offering this fall include Pathways to AAAS, Black Feminisms, Black Gender Studies, Creative Expression and Culture and Performance, African American Film, Producing Culture with an emphasis on race, media, and culture, Pedagogies of Protest, and those are just some of the course offerings that we have this fall. To our MSU colleagues, tremendous amounts of gratitude for supporting 
the build of AAAS for being there every step of the way. Welcoming us. Welcoming us so warmly for serving on committees, for stepping in, stepping up, for sharing uh, your generosity, your ideas. Uh, It has, has made a world of difference in terms of us being able to do our best work uh, to those who have, again, as Lacante said, put in tremendous amounts of labor for all of us who are here now to be here. Uh, we thank you. Uh, we are indebted to the sacrifice and also um, receive well the responsibility to carry forward the dreams of, uh, of generations. Um, and we are acting uh, with great hope with great enthusiasm for the generations yet to come. So to the alumni, please keep uh, sending students to us. Uh, We look forward to actively working and building with you all and um, to all of those administrators who are noticing what we're doing, who are creating the space, providing the resources for us to do our best work. Um, We are in partnership and I like to think we are just getting started. Spartans will. (laughs) (laughs) And that was uh, Ruth Nicole Brown. She's the inaugural chairperson of Michigan State University's Department of African American and African Studies, and she's also an MSU Foundation professor. We also were talking with Lacante Dill. Dr. Dill is an associate professor of Black Feminisms, Genders, and Sexuality Studies in AAAS. And everything we've talked about you can find online at AAAS. Dot msu.edu. That's AAAS.msu.edu. Thank you both for a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.